Look around, what do you see? Cars, lots of them. And guess what? They're probably on Auto Trader. Whether you're into timeless classics or the latest trends, did somebody say solar-powered, eco-friendly, vegan, leather-wrapped, aromatherapy-scented, disco ball-equipped, self-driving car? If you see it on the road, you can likely find it on Auto Trader. Big cars, small cars, blue cars, new cars, used cars, electric cars, and one day, maybe even flying cars. With millions of options to choose from, buying a car becomes a whole lot easier. See it. Find it. Auto Trader. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the all-new 2014 Toyota Corolla. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and this is Stuff You Should Know because Jerry's over there, too. How you doing, buddy? Besides sick, I'm not sick. I'm, I'm just—I've got a little bit of a bug, but you that's never it. admit when you're sick. I love well, it. Well, no, because you think that's the first step in, yeah, in being sick is saying I'm sick. I definitely believe in psychosomatic sure. effects. Yeah, yeah. You know, the mind has an impact on the body. It's, well, if you can be a hypochondriac, surely you can do the opposite, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You can will yourself into not being sick. Anyway, people, the show must go on, and the, I just want to point out how dedicated my partner here is to his craft. Right. Well, I also want to say, I want to promise that it's not going to be like the great six-week illness uh, of... No, you don't get sick. That, that was back in the old days. Yeah. The unhealthy days. When I smoked and everything. Yeah, your body didn't know how to heal. Right. So it was enjoying nicotine. <laughs> now I'm just like, I'm I'm not getting sick. I said it to myself last night, and here I am, better than you ever. Josh 2.0. Thank you. All right. Let's do this. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I got a story for you. I bet I know it. I'll bet you do too. Eddie Knowles? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you saw his name is Everett Knowles Jr., uh, but his, everybody called him Eddie. Two Ds and a Y. I find that unwholesome. Yeah, and I didn't know Eddie could be short for Everett. Never heard that. I don't think it is. I think he just didn't like his name. Oh, okay. Because it seems like it, you should call him Every. Yeah, or Evie. 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 Yeah. Ev. Ev. The big E. <laughs> Something. The big E. So, uh, he was a little E, though. He was a little guy. Tiny E. Mm-hmm. Like a little Elvis. That's right. Uh, well, Eddie, we'll call him Eddie because that's what he preferred to be called. Sure. He was walking home from school one day in Somerville, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. And uh, he was walking along the railroad tracks. And there just happened to be a train loaded with gravel mm-hmm. hauling out of the uh, area. Very slowly, while he was walking alongside, he said, you know what? I'm just going to have a little thrill right now and uh, grab onto this train. And he did. He successfully grabbed onto the train, was hanging with, uh, I believe, his right arm. Yeah. And uh, was having the time of his life just dangling there when he misjudged the distance between the train, side of the train, and the side of a tunnel. Yeah. And he was pulled into the tunnel support, smacked it, and hung on for a second before he was dropped off of the train. The train kept going through the tunnel, leaving Eddie kind of crumpled and in a little shivering 
mass of at pain the, at the mouth of the tunnel. Yeah. So he stands up and he grabs his arm. He's like, oh, my arm doesn't feel very good. And he starts walking toward town. And yeah. apparently he walked about 100 yards uphill when some workers saw him and said, grab that kid. Because he was covered in blood. He was staggering. He looked like he was out of it. He was clearly in shock. So they yeah. grabbed it, ran and got a, a woman, because at the time, this was 1962, a woman was the only one who could provide any kind of care. initial emergency <laughs> care. Yeah. Um, and a, a clerk at, I believe, some sort of warehouse um, came out and started to apply pressure to this boy's wounds. But she had a little bit of trouble when she tried to close the wound with a tourniquet, she found that his arm wasn't attached to his body any longer. Yeah, he was just kind of holding it there. Very luckily, he was wearing a jacket, or else his arm would have been back at the mouth of the tunnel. Yeah, man, can you imagine, like, the guy's holding his arm, basically, to keep it from falling out of his jacket? Although he didn't know that, you know? No, he didn't. He was in shock. Yeah. Um, luckily, he was still lucid enough to, like, tell everybody who he was, where he lived, and uh, they called the, the hospital... And the hospital scrambled some surgeons, but it wasn't until Chuck, um, he got to the hospital and they started cutting his jacket off that they realized the extent of the damage. This kid's arm was torn clean off. Yeah. But the operative word is clean. Yeah. That's right. Because Eddie Everett Knowles Jr. of Somerville, Mass, Mm -hmm. on, uh, what, May 23rd, 1962, became the first Recipient of a full, successful limb reattachment. Surgery. First human recipient. Right. Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, they had done that before in dogs successfully, mm-hmm. and they had they had done all the different surgeries that are required to reattach a limb, but they had never done all of them at once. Mm-hmm. Like they'd reattach nerves, they'd reattach bone. Right. They'd reattach blood vessels, but they had never had a full amputation in a human being successfully reattached. And... Um, from what I read, the doctor was, I don't know about excited, but they had been looking for a case I also, because they thought, like, I think we can do this. We just need the right case. Right, exactly. You know, and he like, called his buddy and he's like, I think we got one. Get like, in here. They got the, they, they, like you said, they'd successfully reattached arteries, nerves, bone, that kind of thing, but never all, never the whole shebang. So they said, well, we know how to do this. Yeah. If somebody will just come along and present us with an arm pulled cleanly off. Yeah. Especially a 12-year-old, because that definitely worked to his advantage. Apparently, an artery, when severed, yeah. will plug itself up, uh-huh. especially in younger kids. That plugging is way more successful and happens more quickly. So this kid just basically presented like the perfect case. The main artery, I guess, is brachial artery leading out of his shoulder. was a full like two inches out of the Jeez. wound. So like they had a lot to work with, and yeah. work they did. Uh, yeah, and they um, the, the arm was on ice. And they began working immediately. This is Mass General, by the way. Uh-huh. And um, they started with the arteries and veins. And then uh, the nurse felt, well, they all sort of saw color and they described yeah. it as a glow, kind of came back into the arm. This kid hopped the train, had his arm pulled off, and within two and a half hours, they had um, gotten circulation back. Yeah. And the nurse grabbed the hand and said, hey, it's warm. That's good. It's pink and, and warm. She shook it, made it do the metal sign. Everybody <laughs> in the operating theater was laughing. Uh, the bone and the muscle and the nerve uh, and the skin um, happened in, in later surgeries. And the uh, I think the nerve, they made a pretty important decision at the time, was to wait on that altogether right. uh, and let it heal some more first, which is 
as it turns out, actually, as it turns out, most of this was sort of how they do it today. Yeah. Like they per- perfected the, the process from that point through the seventies and in the eighties is when they really started like humming with limb right. reattachment. The, uh, the only difference that I saw was, and we'll, we'll get into it a little more, but, um, they reattach the arteries first to get circulation, I guess, to keep from more and more tissue dying. Right. Um, and then they reattach the bone by driving a screw and using a hammer. They, oh, they nail the screw into the marrow. I know, that's and crazy. then reattach the, the arm bone, the, what is that? Femur? No, femur's in the leg. Yeah, femur's in the leg. You think I would have looked this up already? Yeah. Eh. <laughs> the, the upper arm bone, then they, they, they drove that into the other end of the screw. Yeah, that's just. Normally nutty. now, though, they do, they reattach the bone first to provide stability. Yeah. So when you reattach the arteries and veins and stuff, they won't pull away. Yeah, and he, uh, it was a success story because he mm-hmm. ended up, he was, uh, he couldn't use that hand as his dominant hand any longer. Which is sad because he was a good pitcher. Yeah, but he um, was able to eventually get enough use out of it to where uh, they said about like a left-hander would have use of his right hand. Mm-hmm. So he just sort of had to switch that up. But for 1962, that's pretty successful, um, especially considering in 1960 was the very first uh, microsurgery performed just two years previously. At the University of Vermont. Oh, yeah. Go catamounts. <laughs> nice. But, um. That is dedication. So microsurgery, that's really what we're talking about here. It's the use of a microscope mm-hmm. to perform surgery. And when you're attaching, you're essentially sewing together little nerves and blood vessels, like. Yeah. A millimeter in diameter. Yeah. So you, you need a microscope and a tiny, tiny little needle. Right. And you're using tiny, tiny little, uh, suture thread, which is about as, as, thin, uh, as, Big as a hair. Yeah. That's the stuff you're using to, to suture these blood vessels back together. It's not cat gut. No. And it's an extremely involved um, surgery, as you can imagine. But it's step by step. It's like first you do the blood vessels, then you do the arteries, um, and you do muscles, ligaments, tendons, all this stuff. And you're doing it in this this process but each each surgery, each part of the procedure is like a, an enormous surgery in and of itself. Yeah. So like a um, a limb reattachment, which is called um, a replantation. Oh, I thought it was going to be called like limery or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people call it that. I'm a limerist. The saucier doctors call it limery. <laughs> but um, it, it usually is like as, on a whole, the replantation surgery can last like an entire day. Yeah, it's it's intensive. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I read too that it, uh, the whole microsurgery, the concept of using a microscope for surgery was not accepted at first. Like pe- doctors and surgeons were like, no, like you, we can't do that. We have to look with our eyes. <laughs> and, uh, so it had to be perfected sort of on the fringe, uh, by doctor, by surgeons who were willing to like accept this might be the future. An and experiment uh, in their basements. I guess so. On hapless victims. Maybe. Or dogs. Yeah. I, didn't get the uh, and I didn't look it up, but I didn't get the impression from this article, one way or the other, how dogs lost their limbs to begin with. Like, was it accidental? And they're like, oh, okay, well, this will reattach it, or were they cutting dogs' limbs off and then reattaching them? Because I'm guessing it was probably the latter. You know, probably. Yeah, I mean, we've talked plenty about <laughs> that kind of topic. Because I mean, think about it. Why would dogs' limbs be pulled off in any more frequency than a human's limbs? And hence present more cases to practice on. I think they were cutting off dogs' limbs and then reattaching. 
which is messed up. Yeah, it is. So uh, you were talking about microsurgery. What I saw was um, replacing toes for uh-huh. thumbs got big in oh, the yeah? 60s. That was a big one. So you had a, a thumb on your foot or a big toe on your hand? Big toe on your hand. Wow. Because apparently 50 to 70% of all the utility in your hand is in your thumb. And if you're missing a thumb, you might as well just not have your hand. You don't need a big toe quite as much. You can use a cane or something like that thanks sure. to your new toe thumb. Yeah. And um, that that became perfected in the 60s. Toe thumb, that's a good band name. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in the 70s, um, free flat tissue transfer became a big thing, which is basically going to a part of your body, harvesting an area yeah. of your body, like under your thigh, your abdomen, um, I think your back, lower yeah. back, and then just basically taking the gap and sewing it back together. Right? Yeah. So you have a scar, but you also have a, a, a portion of your body that's diminished in size. Um, and then taking that and using it to basically do what we understand as a skin graft, which, yeah. re- which requires microsurgery as well. Um, it's just basically taking this part here and putting it back over here where there's a bunch of damage and reattaching all of the nerves and the, the blood vessels and everything. Yeah. I saw when I was looking up, uh, photos of this kind of thing, I came across something. That I'd never seen before, and I didn't, I didn't get the story, but it, you could almost, I mean, I, I sort of gathered what was going on just from the photo series. But uh, someone was degloved on mm-hmm. the uh, on their fingers, basically, yeah. from like the the hand knuckles forward, all the fingers had no skin. Yeah, and they, from the looks of it, they inserted it into an arm, like into a bicep, the fingers, and like. They live there for a while, like inserted under the skin of the arm. And that that skin, they later would remove the fingers and mm-hmm. it came off as like a big flat skin graft, like sticking your hand in an envelope. Crazy. And uh, eventually formed like webbed fingers and mm-hmm. then fingers. That is crazy. But like, is I don't that know. new? I don't know, man. I just saw these photos. I should have done. I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with this, but it was just... Remarkable to see someone with their fingers stuck in their bicep under the skin. Like I'm having trouble visualizing this. I need to see these photos. I yeah, think. I'll I'll take them up and show it to you. Yeah, if you want to see some really gross stuff, you can just Google um, microsurgery or replantation is another one. Yeah, man, it's some nasty stuff out yeah. there. Yeah, but amazing. Like that yeah. they can. And I looked at so many of them. I kind of got to that point where I was like, well, this isn't gross. This is what the body looks like. Without skin, sometimes, and <laughs> which is gross. No, it's I uh, wouldn't grossed out. Bodies without skin are gross. I don't think so. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's the beauty inside. You become desensitized, <laughs> my friend. I have. Well, before we get any further, Chuck, let's do a message break because I got some good stuff coming up. Okay. Stuff you should the Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Chuck, we understand microsurgery now. It's Frankensteinian. Right? Yeah, you're basically just sewing stuff together. Yeah, because, I mean, like, let's say you have a, a dead person who has a great hand and you have a live person who's got a poor hand. You cut off the live person's hand, cut off the dead person's hand, and attach the live or the dead person's hand to the live person. As, that's that's Frankensteinian. That's what they're doing, and it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, but if this ever happens to you, if, if say, you have a poor hand mm-hmm. in that it's no longer attached to your wrist... <laughs> Yeah, that hand sucks. Right. <laughs> and it's all crushed and damaged or whatever. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Let's say it's intact. Okay. And you say, you know what? I think uh, through my shock that I might be a good candidate for replantation of my hand. Yeah. What do you do? Well, you want to call 911 immediately because that's just the first thing you do. You get go ahead and get folks on the way. You, or you can ask someone with you to call 911 that's not putting anyone out. Yeah, that's true. If you can't dial, maybe you don't have hands. Right. You could tell Siri to call 911. Yeah. That's um, her job. Yeah, I actually changed my Siri to a dude, so it's not a her anymore. Oh, yeah. To an it... Englishman, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Reginald? I don't know what his name is, actually. But he'll say stuff like, you know, I'll say, call Josh, and he'll say, ringing Josh. Oh, yeah? Instead of calling, yeah. It's classy. Kind of fun. Anyway, um... You want to dial 911, get them on the way, and then immediately you want to just try and stabilize the patient. You want to stop the bleeding right. either with heavy pressure or a tourniquet above the wound. Like a 1960s female. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and once you get the patient um, stabilized and they're not going to bleed out there in the kitchen or wherever it is, um, you want to get the digit or the hand or mm-hmm. the limb and put it on ice but not directly on ice. Right. Put it in a bag. And then put that bag on ice. Yeah. You want to pack pack it in ice. As much ice as you can find. But you want to make sure that in the bag that you put the, the hand or the digit or whatever in, there's no ice and there's no water because water causes it to shrivel. Yeah. And that means you won't be able to reattach it. Yeah. And ice, you can actually, if I put, if I cut off my finger and I threw it in a bucket of ice, it could actually get frostbite. 
Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. But it's also pretty cool. Yeah, and you don't want frostbite on your, because, you know, you won't be able to use it anymore. No, frostbite is just um, dead tissue yeah. brought about by uh, exposure to extreme cold. That's right. So after... <laughs> that's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> it is. Uh, after you've got it on the ice, in the bag on the ice, you've called 911, you've got the bleeding stopped, you want to cross whatever fingers you have remaining <laughs> and hope that you've got a good hospital nearby with some surgeons that aren't doing much at the moment. Right. Or who are willing to cancel their schedules and say, let's go do this. Yeah, get off the golf course. So when you get to the hospital, there's some things you can expect. Uh, if all of your surgeons have come in from the golf course, they should be ready and waiting for you. And um, like we said, first they're going to reattach the bone to provide stability yeah. um, for the rest of the surgery. And there's probably still going to be a little bit of a gap there because they need to get in there. Um, and then they start reattaching your, your blood vessels. That's right. And, uh, just like with Eddie Knowles, um, that just gets, you know, the blood flow going and essentially makes that limb alive once mm-hmm. more. Right. Well, it, and it also keeps it from further dying. Yeah. Um, because Chuck, it turns out that like there is a finite amount of time, which is understandable. Sure. But we, we are aware of how much time a limb can just sit around in the hot sun starting to, to go, you know, fed it. Yeah. And there's, so for example, um, if you have a a whole arm or a whole leg cut off, like remember death proof? Yeah. Uh, That girl has her legs like sticking out of the window and mad Mike, is that his name? Uh, I don't know. Kurt Russell. I don't remember. When he hits him and her leg just goes. Yeah. Um, if she had survived and her leg just laid there out at room temperature, um, it could have been good for six to 12 hours. I imagine you're really pushing it at 12 hours. Yeah. But if, say, you have somebody who's like, this leg needs to be put on ice and does everything right, it could stay refrigerated for four days and still be reattached. Yeah. Um, they point out, though, in this article, ideally you're having that surgery that day. Yeah. But if you... Within hours. Yeah. Within minutes, <laughs> if you're talking yeah. ideally. Basically, the sooner the better. It's, as soon as they're ready to go, you should be ready to go as well. Yeah, but you are right. Um, if that is not the case and you have uh, some good refrigeration going on, you can last for about four days. Yeah, and apparently it's not even necessarily the skin tissue that um, that leads to problems and reattachment after being exposed to room temperature. It's muscle degradation. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so... You, you get there, you're getting your surgery done. Um, you probably are going to expect to go through that first long surgery, bone mm-hmm. reattachment, blood vessel, maybe some muscle fiber. and we'll then they'll, in action, maybe. Sure. And then they'll say, we'll put the nerves off for later. Um, and then later on down the road will be a skin graft of some kind, like a um, free flap surgery like I was talking about. And the free... Uh, uh, refers to the uh, the free, like this part of this tissue from your body has been removed, the donor site. Oh, it's not the cost of the surgery? No. Okay. It's It's been cut free. Right. And there you have that it. That makes sense. And then um, it really is simpler than you think. It's reattaching, and hopefully everything takes, and you fight the infection off, and you start the rehab process, which yeah. um, takes a long time, and it's it's grueling and not fun. Uh, it can be weird at first. Uh, they point out in the article and be weird to look down and see your arm reattached, but I imagine no weirder than looking down and seeing your arm not attached. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. It'd probably be a comfort to see it reattach. Yeah. But, um, you're a jerk if you're like, oh, it's kind of crooked. Yeah. But, uh, it, apparently sometimes it can, uh, feel a little different and, uh, that can be a little strange and off-putting. Sure. Like it, it, it's not like, oh, I'm just like I was before. Right. <laughs> you know? Better than ever. Right. Um, and Tom wrote this one. My, my good friend Tom Chief, he said, he also talked about something called cross transfer. This was mind blowing. Which is basically like if if just replantation is Frankensteinian, this is even more so. Yeah, I didn't quite get the purpose of the hand. Uh, basically, you're getting a a left hand on your right arm, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so your thumb and your pinky would be in weird places. Right, your palm's still facing the right direction, but well, your be really thumb weird. is switched. Yeah. Yeah, but what's What's the point of that if you have a bad hand and a good hand? I, like I don't know if that's, they only had like a left hand available at the time. I don't know that one. Okay. I got the other one where basically they take your lower leg beneath your knee. So like if your upper leg is damaged and your lower yeah. leg is fine. Let's just say your upper leg is wasted for okay. whatever reason, but your lower leg is fine. They'll cut it off the lower leg and basically turn it around, right? Uh-huh. And then your knee becomes locked. Your calf muscles then serve the function that your thigh muscles used to. Right. And your knee joint is now in your ankle. <laughs> then you also are going to be wearing a prosthetic, obviously, because sure. you have no thigh muscles. Um, and your turned around foot, which is now backwards, yeah, yeah. is extra support for that prosthetic foot or leg or limb. Wow. It's pretty cool. It's basically saying, like, how can we take this and use it to even better utility now that its original purpose has been destroyed? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I tried to find photos of a cross-transferred uh, hand, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't find any photos. And weirdly, pictures of Madonna kept popping up. Does she have something? I don't know, dude. Huh. <laughs> like, I, I tried all sorts of Google searches, and uh, she images of her kept popping up. So, I don't know. Maybe yeah. she's got... Two left feet or something. <laughs> she does not. <laughs> what was that in uh, Waiting for Guffman? Uh, he literally had two left feet. It was kind of a dumb joke. Was but, it? I thought it was a... No, was it was a best in show. Best in show. Yeah. So, Josh, that's one way. We talked about microsurgery. But mm-hmm. there is perhaps another, even better way, which we'll cover right after this message break. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. 
the iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we've discussed how you can have surgery, but there may be an actual way to regrow things. Yeah, like, this is far by far the more preferable of the two. Yeah, like fingers, but not like, uh, you know, you can't lose a whole finger and regrow it. It's got to be above the bone, like let's say you get the tip of your finger, at, like your fingernail cut off. Right. And you can't find it. And even better, this just involves like dumping a magic powder on that that wound. Yeah. So if you if you have your finger cut off below the nail, right below the nail, which happened to a guy in Cincinnati uh, um, in 2005 who owned a hobby shop. Yeah. I used to love those places. Oh, me too. Man, I'd go in and be like, I, I just want all the model airplanes and everything. Yeah. Eddie's Trick Shop in Atlanta was my go-to. Oh, nice. Which I've just discovered still exists um, not too far from my house. Is it a magic shop? It's it's like everything. Yeah. Like they had models, they had magic kits, they had, you know, whoopee cushions. Uh-huh. It was sort of like a catch-all. Yeah, I liked both of those, but I never went to one that was the same. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, this guy, this hobby shop owner, yeah. as far as we know, he sold no magic items. Okay. Um, he was demonstrating why a motor was very dangerous in an RC plane. He did a good job, I guess. And cut his finger off. And uh, apparently his brother was had something to do with finger with tissue regeneration and said yeah he was in the the biz yeah the guy went to the doctor the hospital and doctors like we'll give you a skin graft to just kind of cover this weirdness but um you know you lost your finger ts yeah and uh the guy's brother was like don't get the skin graft just yet come over uh i'll give you a beer and um (laughs) i'm gonna put some i'm gonna put some something that's called extracellular matrix on your wound and let's see what happens. And they did. Yeah. And magic happened. And it regrew. The guy not only regrew his finger, he regrew apparently not the bone, but very surprisingly the nail bed and fingernail, yeah. which apparently like you don't grow a nail bed back. Like even if you cut off just the tip of your finger, like that nail bed's never growing back. This guy's nail bed grew back. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, extracellular matrix is awesome. Um that's basically like the glue that holds our cells together. Mm-hmm. And um, not just us, plants and animals and trees, right. and they all have it. Uh, and it uh, it functions outside the body cells. That's why it's called extracellular, obviously. Right. And it's collagen. We've talked a lot about collagen, the protein that's um, you know super good for all kinds of things. Especially growing skin. Yeah, or like, you know, it's in skin cream and stuff like that. Sure. Um so typically what they use is, uh, this was a powder from pig bladder, but, um, I've seen, I, I saw a video on the on New York Times site that showed how they do it today. And this is mainly for, um, like, uh, let's say you got, you didn't want a skin graft mm-hmm. for some reason, or it wasn't possible to get a skin graft and you, you've lost all the skin on your thigh. They would get a pig bladder and they, uh, they spread it out and they remove all the cells basically and yeah, because this stuff doesn't have pig cells. No, it doesn't have this pig cells. This is harvested from a pig body. Yeah. 
But they still remove the cells and all the DNA with like a chemical bath. And basically what's remaining is the matrix and it, they end up drying it out and it looks like a, and cut it into sheets and it looks like a sheet of like parchment paper. Huh. And then they will put that on your leg and it immediately just starts going to work. Yeah, they used to think that extracellular matrix was just something that provided structure for cells to grow around. Yeah, like a fetal in the fetus. Yeah, because in if you're if you're in the fetus and like something happens, you lose a, a toe in the, in the fetus. If you, you are a fetus, <laughs> yeah. If you're in the fetal position, yeah. Uh, in the womb, yes. And you lose a toe, that toe's growing back. Yeah. You know, you grow a vestigial tail, that goes away. Your feet and hands start out being webbed, so you're growing a lot of stuff and then getting rid of it. Yeah. But you can also regrow stuff that you're not supposed to lose. Yeah, up to the age of about two. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think the general idea is that the extracellular matrix just kind of goes dormant in humans. Right. But they thought that it was just structure. And then they realized that, no, this is actually creating some sort of signal to the rest of the body to say, hey... Don't scar, regrow instead. And it goes and recruits stem cells and says, come over here and let's rebuild this finger. Yeah. This, this hobby shop accident was too ironic. Let's reward this man <laughs> with uh, a, a regrown finger. And don't forget the nail bed. That's what extracellular matrix says to everything else. Yeah, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. The problem with um, why you can't normally just regrow a finger is because when something like that happens, a trauma happens, your body says, it recognizes it, and mm-hmm. the immune system kicks in, mm-hmm. and it's going to swell up and get inflamed, and scar tissue is going to start to form. Right. And the extracellular matrix prevents the inflammation, prevents scar tissue from forming, and basically tells the body, like, no, I'm just going to grow, like, normally. Right. Not but, scar tissue, just regular old cells. But like you said, after a certain age, it just goes away. Like, we have the extracellular matrix still, but its function uh, or its ability to trigger regrowth is just becomes dormant or something happens to it. And with this pig bladder stuff, um, they're, they're starting to wonder, is there a way that we can just trigger this naturally in the body? And if that's the case, then say hello to regrowing a whole head. (laughs) I mean, you never know because they pointed out that like deer can regrow antlers Mm -hmm. And um, things like that, and they're well, not has, so different than us cellular, cellularly, right? Because as bone cartilage, yeah, uh, skin, sure, um, all those things are in your hand, your arm, your leg, and you would need to regrow all those to for something to really be considered regrown. Sure, you can't just regrow the leg but not the bone. It'd still be impressive, but you're like it's <laughs> kind of flop in there. <laughs> Have you ever seen the picture of that UFC fighter? He's like kicking the guy. Oh. And he breaks his own leg, and it's just like almost like a cartoon. Yeah. Or uh, McGahee. Oh, yeah. Willis McGahee. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff um, triggers the old uh, mirror neurons yeah. big time for Makes me. Makes me weak. Uh, so that's basically it. I mean, they, they've been uh, experimenting with uh, war veterans, Iraqi war veterans. Uh, and actually, the New York Times video I saw, though, it was a war veteran who mm-hmm. was having this done to his thigh. Yeah, his a great success. tendons, right? Uh, I think it was skin and tendons and, yeah. And it was, you know, it looked kind of gnarly, but it was functioning. Yeah. And that counts. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. There's literally nothing else to say about this. I agree, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, then, uh, if you want to learn more about replantation... 
you can type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it'll bring up a couple of cool things. Uh, at the very least, also, um, type in extracellular matrix, which is pretty cool sounding, um, and that'll bring up another article, too. And uh, since I said those things, it's time for listener mail. That's right. I'm going to call this uh, correction. We get these from time to time. <laughs> and we like to read them. Yeah. From time to time. Uh, hey, guys and Jerry. Love the work you do. I love listening to the show. I wanted to write in, though, with a correction regarding Lewis and Clark. I'm working towards my Ph.D. in art history, and I am particularly interested in the history of medicine and disease. In the middle of the show, Josh mentioned that the Adventure Party inadvertently discovered syphilis that had not been known to Europeans up until that point. Uh, this is actually not the, quite the case. Syphilis goes back uh, pretty far in European history. It was first documented in the late 15th century after a conflict between France and Italy and remained an issue for Europe, uh, peaking around the mid-19th century. 19th century. Did right. I say that right? Yeah, you said it. Okay. Uh, Josh did have part of it right, though, when he said that the party blamed it on Native American groups. Early on, everyone wanted to blame the disease on everyone else. No surprises here. But after that initial conflict, the French referred to syphilis as the Neapolitan sickness, while the Italians named it the French sickness, a trend that continued as the stuff spread. You. If no, you. <laughs> if you're interested, uh, it's really fascinating stuff, especially the cures that became popular. Uh, mercury was a uh, really nasty one. History of Syphilis by Claude Cattell is a pretty good reference. She read a book called The History of Syphilis. <laughs> Somebody wrote a book called The History of Syphilis. Right. Uh, anyway, just wanted, and that was Claude Q-U-E uh, accent of T-E-L. So he's French. That was nice. Isn't that what that's called? I don't remember anymore. I don't either. Anyway, I just I wanted to point that out. Carson. Yeah. That is from Catherine. I'm sorry, Kathleen Pierce. Nice. Well, thanks a lot. She's into disease. Thanks for <laughs> and paintings about disease. I guess so. Thanks a lot uh, for letting us know that, Kathleen. I feel like I've been set straight. Uh, if you want to set us straight, we like to be corrected. Right? Yeah. Man, nothing better. Uh, all you have to do is tweet to us. Sure. To initiate contact. You can tweet to us using our uh, handle, SYSK Podcast. You can go on to Facebook. That's another great way to contact us. Yeah, you can complain there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we People love doing that. <laughs> uh, we're at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast.discovery.com. And although you can't complain, uh, you can enjoy our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. With over 100,000 titles to choose from, Audible.com is a leading provider of downloadable digital audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Go to AudiblePodcast.com slash NoStuff, K-N-O-W-S-T-U-F-F, to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.